Good morning. An even better description of intimacy, writes Chuck Swindle in his book, So You Want to Be Like Christ, includes being emotionally naked and unashamed. And is based on Genesis chapter 2, verse 25. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Vulnerable, unguarded, transparent. Everything about us, including our darkest secrets, revealed, exposed, brought out in the light, without shame. That's intimacy. So if intimacy is our goal, there are certain spiritual disciplines that are required on our part. By the grace of God and by the working power of the Holy Spirit in order to help us be more like Christ. This week we're going to focus on the spiritual discipline of simplicity uncluttering our life. A number of years ago, while visiting a friend's lakeside property in the country, I was asked if I wanted to windsurf. Absolutely, I said. I was in my prime. How hard could it be? I stood up on the board, found my balance, and with my wind to the back, and the boom in my hand, now I say boom in my hand because I want to sound sophisticated. I, I, I want you to think that I knew what I was doing. But, but in reality, I had no clue. So with the boom in my hand, which is just a fancy way of saying the horizontal bar going across the sail, right? I, I was off to the races. In windsurf jargon, you would say, you would, you would call me a wave hawk. All right? I, I was hitting those waves, I was catching the waves, maximum speed, made it all the way down to the, to the bottom of the lake, no problem. But to come back, <laughs> with, with the wind no longer at my back, I, I didn't know how to adjust the boom, that, that, that horizontal bar, uh, bada bing, bada boom, I, I, I kept getting knocked off the surfboard, I, I, w I was thrown into the water, I wanted to go east, the wind was blowing me west, tired, physically exhausted, had to be rescued. <laughs> so much for the prime of my life. Even, even though we, we can't control the winds, we need to know how to sail through the different seasons of life. And it's interesting how different people will react differently to a similar situation. A physical disability will cripple certain people emotionally, while others will take the challenge, turn it into an opportunity, and overcome hardship. One will wither in the waters of self-pity, another will sail across the Great Lakes despite the headwinds. At this time, I want to introduce you to Nick Vujicic, a Christian minister from Australia who has been sharing the gospel all around the world. Some of you might already know his story. 
born without arms or legs. He's the founder of ministry called Life Without Limbs. Let's watch a This is just the new norm for now. We hope that COVID passes. But right now, when we look at COVID saying that that will pass, this ain't the first storm we've ever had. And the Christians again and again and again who are brought up in the Bible come to the faithfulness of God as they have persevered. Every storm that comes has come to pass. And right now, it feels like we can't just, you know, even though the world has stopped, we feel the, the move and the urge to, to keep on going. And, and what I want to think of is our life as a boat. You know when the wind changes and, and the, the waves toss and turn like crazy, it's pivoting our sails in a different direction so that we stay on course. What's really amazing to me is that what COVID-19 has done is really reveal the stripping away of what we considered as normal to really reveal how much we need God, how much we need Him every day. And I don't know about you, and this message is not really for those of you who don't know God. It's more of an encouragement for those of you who do know of God. And I want to read from James chapter 2 to encourage you in your walk, sorry, James chapter one, encouraging your walk with God, to really have a, a thorough look and self-reflection of our health and our spiritual health, our walk with God. Let's pray. Lord God, we come before you today and we do indeed pray for the government. We pray that you would bless the world. We thank you, Lord, for a cure for the coronavirus, we pray that this storm would co come and go quicker. Lord God, we pray for anyone who's right now fearful of the future, the uncertainty of if we're gonna have a job after this, small business owners who've already decided that we just can't survive this storm. Lord, we thank you that no matter what storm we have, whether it be financial or just uncertainty on all levels. We thank you, Lord, that we don't know what tomorrow holds, but we know who holds tomorrow. And we thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. And during this storm, Holy Spirit, would you breathe into the sails, Lord God, to help us continue our path in focusing on, on you and fixing our eyes on you through the storm. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Wind represents things that clutter our life, things that clutter our mind, stuff that strips us away from a deeper intimacy with God. As Nick said, may God breathe into our sails, helping us to fix our eyes on Him, beholding Him as we stay the course and get through the storm. <laughs> may God strip away everything that is a distraction and reveal to us how much we need Him every day. It's not the destination that matters, it's the journey. And the destination is being continually transformed into the likeness of Christ. 
The journey is allowing the spiritual disciplines that we will consider over the next following weeks to transform us over time into the image of Christ. We're going to look at three different passages this morning. We're going to put a slide so that you can follow along, but the verses will be available on screen. Andrew opened up. It's one of the key verses in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. Remember, Paul, nearing the end of his life, said his greatest passion was to know God. Again, it's one of our anchor verses on spiritual disciplines. For my determined purpose, Paul writes, is that I may know him, that I may progressively becoming more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly, that I may in the same way come to know the power outflowing from his resurrection, which it exerts over believers, and that I may so share his sufferings as to be continually transformed in spirit into his likeness, even to his death. Knowing him, being acquainted with him, understanding the wonders of his person, experiencing the power of his resurrection, sharing in the fellowship of his sufferings, and being continually transformed, continually transformed, like a caterpillar into a butterfly, all part of the journey. Thomas Terence, president emeritus of C.S. Lewis Institute, wrote the following about the Christian life. Are you content with your Christian life? Or do you long for something more? Do you hunger and thirst for God? Is he the desire of your heart? Do you really want to know him more intimately and follow him more faithfully? The pursuit of God is a prerequisite for those who want to go deeper with God. He invites us to seek him he shows us the road to travel, and he provides the spiritual nourishment for the journey. But these will do little good unless we take time in our hurried, distracted lives to use them. Many of us need to take the advice of Dallas Willard. Hurry is the great enemy of the spiritual life in our day. And Andrew spoke about that last week. You must relentlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Jesus was never in a hurry. And we are called to walk in his steps and follow his example. This does not mean withdrawing from normal life and adopting a, a monistic life. Jesus didn't do that, nor did Moses, David, Peter, or Paul. They led active lives in the world. But their lives were not filled with clutter, distractions, and chronic busyness that fills our lives today. They were focused. They had priorities. They marched to the beat of a different drummer. They sought to please an audience of one. No matter where they were or what they were doing, their inner compass was oriented towards God, His presence, His will, and His purposes. Now let me ask, ask a question. This is a time where you get to scream out an answer to me so I can drink some water and catch my breath. 
what are some sources of mind clutter that, like the wind, prevent us from experiencing true intimacy with Christ? Your turn. Distractions. And what in particular could be a distraction? Thank you. Beautiful. What could be a distraction? Social media. Social media. I'm going to hit on that. Beautiful. Anything else? Cellular phones. I think that we're going to land on that one a lot. Anyone else? Amusement. Amusement. Beautiful. Work. Work. Pardon? Thought I heard something. All right, so we we have an idea. Uh, Chuck Swindle, again, in his book, he says there are five sources of mind clutter. I'm going to go through them, and then we're going to finish with a couple of examples uh, of Scripture. But the first one that he names is saying yes to many things. And Dave Burton alluded that um, earlier this morning in, in, in his opening remarks, we'll call them. Uh, I'm definitely guilty of this. Uh, back in uh, 2020, just before the world was shut down to COVID, between January and mid-March, there were 10 weekends. I was gone for eight of those 10. Uh, whether it be speaking engagements or camp engagements or uh, fundraisers or a a trip to Colorado for a wedding, completely busy. Uh, This year, we've reduced that, right, Nancy, between now and March to only five weekends. Of two of those five are going to be vacation. But um, just in case you think it's just me, um, my wife is equally, if not busier than I, Um, I'm able to come home and to say, I'm done work and I leave it behind. My wife actually, in many ways, works actually harder than me. Um, And so this is something that I think we both say yes, probably, to too many things. Uh, The second thing that Chuck speaks about is um, not taking pleasure, or or, sorry, not planning any leisure or rejuvenation, he calls it. Right? We we need to take the kids from one activity to the other. Uh, But what he's saying is, when's the last time somebody looked at their calendar and and put in, um, you know, a four-letter word called rest and scheduled that in the day? Scheduling in. So we're, we're too busy. We're planning too much. Uh, not enough for leisure, like going to the spa or sleeping in. Uh, he talks about not experiencing, the third thing is not experiencing the joy of accomplishment. I was at the ranch last weekend. We had a great time. Uh, Fifteen years and older, we were there. We spent the uh, weekend under the teaching tutelage of David George. And as I was in the car, instead of enjoying that, I'm already thinking about the next event. It's like ch- children at Christmas, they open up one present, they go to the other one, but they don't have time to enjoy this one. I think we do that. We don't take the joy of the accomplishment. Fourth, um, too much debt. We have a spending problem. Uh, I read years ago, don't know if it's still true, but greatest number of suicides happen this time of year in January when families get their credit card bills because they can't believe how much money they spent on their credit card for Christmas presents. Um, Too much debt, too much spending. And then the last one, uh, technology. Leslie and I think Elise said cell phones, right? Um, The lure of modern technology, social media, before Andrew spoke about this last week, I too had written down a couple of facts. I had assumed also about three hours a week spent on my phone. I don't know if that's true for you. I said about three, sorry, three hours a day on a smartphone. Three hours a day on a, small, on a smartphone. Now, uh, John, a number of weeks ago, on the, on, when he spoke about the mighty uh, God, the mighty God uh, took us through the number of angels. Do you remember that? How many angels there were? Yes? Okay, so I kind of did something similar to that. Um, assume we spend a modest three hours a day on our smartphone. That's equivalent to 21 hours a week. That's equivalent to 91 hours a month. 
That's equivalent to 1,092 hours a year. Now, if the average person lives to 70, gets their first smartphone at the age of 13 when they begin high school, that person will have spent a total of 60, 63,336 hours on their phone in their lifetime, which is equivalent to 2,639 days or 7.2 years spent on the phone. 7.2 years spent on the phone. I'd like to spend the remainder of our time looking at two portions of Scripture. Please turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Again, we do have these verses up on the screen. In this epistle, Paul is writing to the Corinthians. He spent almost 20 months with people in Corinth. Over that time, he spent countless hours ministering the Word of God, pouring his life into and teaching the people, building the church, sharing his life. And in this letter, some false teachers are leading the people astray. And, and Paul is concerned for them. It actually says he is afraid for them. And we read beginning in verse 2, I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. I promised you to one husband, to Christ, so that I might present you as a pure virgin to him. But I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preached, or if you receive a different spirit from the spirit you received, or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it easily enough. Paul is concerned that their minds may somehow be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. If you have a Bible, I would underline a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Throughout the letter of Corinthians, it appears that the people are being disloyal to God. And God cares about our loyalty to him, to Jesus, to the gospel, to the truth. So Paul is really concerned about their disloyalty. What does it mean to be loyal? Matthew 22. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. Paul is worried that they will be deceived. And the word deceived means to be enticed. It means to be seduced. It means to be lured away from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. A devotion to Christ, fidelity to Christ, allegiance to Christ. And as a groom, you never want your wife to be, your bride to be deceived, enticed, seduced, or lured away from another or for another. You will fight for her. You will protect. You'll be charming. This is a protective jealousy. 
This is what Paul's concerned with back in Genesis chapter 2, 3. Adam and Eve were both in the Garden of Eden when Satan, disguised as a serpent, deceives Eve into eating the forbidden fruit. Paul is using this as an analogy. The snake was crafty, able to seduce Eve into believing a lie. Paul is saying, don't be deceived into believing a lie. The windstorms, the cluttering of your minds, the cluttering of life, choosing the good instead of the best, the unimportant, the busy, this will lead you away from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Your groom, your husband. No groom wants another rival. You pledge your loyalty to Christ. You pledge your obedience to Christ. You pledge your faithfulness to Christ. You pledge your purity to Christ. And now you are being led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. And clutter your minds to know Him, to be acquainted with Him, to understand the wonders of His person to experience the power of his resurrection, to share in the fellowship of his sufferings, to be continually transformed into his likeness. All part of the journey. Now for our last portion of scripture, I encourage you to turn with me to Luke chapter 10. We know of this account, beginning in verse 38 where we're going to visit the home of Martha and Mary. Beginning at verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to them. In this story, it is clear that Martha is the hostess. She is probably the Oldest because her name is mentioned first, before her Mary, her sister Mary. And we read in this verse that a woman named Martha opened her home to him. The word open means to receive, to embrace, to entertain as a guest. So Martha would open up her home to Jesus and his disciples. And I believe she also knew Jesus as Savior, for she addresses him in verse 40 as Lord. But first, verse 39. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. In the Gospel record, Mary is mentioned three times. And each time she is sitting at Jesus' feet. Here, based on Luke's account alone, we know little about Mary. No, no details are provided about her appearance, the length of her hair, the color of her eyes. We don't know much about her character. We don't know much about her temperament. We, we really don't. What we do know, and this is the most important, is that Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. And this is very interesting, because in those days, women were treated differently. Rabbis insisted that women were supposed to sit at the back, 
Some rabbis didn't even value teaching women. Women were not supposed to come alongside the rabbi or a teacher. And so Mary's actions, unprecedented. <laughs> Here she's sitting at Jesus' feet. She's come alongside the teacher. She's as close as she can be. She's listening to every word that God spoke through his son Jesus. And Mary, for me, is demonstrating the attitude of a true believer, one who cherishes every word. But Martha, oh, verse 40, but Martha, says the text, <laughs> the word but implies on the contrary. It suggests a contrast. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. But Martha, she did not get it. She was too busy preparing the house, making sure the rooms were clean, uh, the meal was ready, uh, that there was place to sit, uh, place to sleep in, in case somebody had to sleep. And it wasn't just Jesus visiting, but maybe his disciples, and maybe some neighbors, and maybe some friends. Everything had to be just right, right? And, and it, the text says, Martha was distracted. We even put that word in bold. Martha was distracted because the word distracted in the Greek is perispeo. How was that, Wesley? Perfect, he says. And, and, and it means to draw different ways at the same time, to distract with cares and responsibilities. I keep thinking about how the wind can blow us in all the different directions, right? Like, hospitality, kindness to strangers, entertaining guests, all good, all biblical. She, she might have even had the gift of hospitality. But it says she was distracted. She was pulled in all directions from what was important. And that was sitting at the feet of Jesus and allowing the words of his lips to penetrate her heart. And this is like a rare privilege. To hear these words personally and privately, unfortunately, she missed it because it says she was distracted by all the preparations. And this word, preparations, diaconia, I hope that's a little bit better. You know what that means? Do you know what that means? It means service. It means attention. But here's the word that, it means Ministry. It means ministry. We can be so busy, so distracted by our service, even the ministry, that we miss what is truly important. We can be distracted with the cares and the responsibilities. Interesting how this portion of scripture follows the parable of the Good Samaritan in chapter 10. The priest and the Levite, both traveling on their way home from Jerusalem to Jericho. It's about a 15-mile road. And they're unwilling, they're too busy, they're too distracted to help a man who was attacked by robbers, a fellow Jew. They're on their way home from the most, impor the most important life work serving in the temple, yet they're not compelled to help this hurting and hopeless man. 
The Good Samaritan, on the other hand, considered by the Jews to be an enemy, filled with compassion, stops to help the beaten man. Hmm. So here in our passage in Luke, we have Martha, similar to the priest and Levite, too busy in service, too busy in ministry to come alongside Jesus to hear him teach. Martha may have invited Jesus into her home, but it's in the story where Mary has invited Jesus into her heart. And, and here we have the contrast. Here we have the contrast between Martha, the worker, and Mary, the worshiper. And we need to imitate Martha in our work and Mary in our worship. We need a good balance of both to be effective workers, but first we need to be worshipers. And so thank you this morning for telling us a little about, Natalie, about the ministry that you're involved with. And let's not forget the pre and preparation. All of those things that Martha were doing were good, but there should have came a point where she says, I'm done, and joined her sister at Jesus' feet. And it says in verse 40 that she came to him. Can you imagine Martha barging in on Jesus' teaching? She can't, she can't take it any longer. She, she interrupts him. Jesus teaching about life-changing truths, sin, repentance, forgiveness, eternal blessings, boats on a string that are lost on the water. For those of you here for the first service. And she came to him and she asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself. Lord, don't you care? Don't you care? Lord, don't you care? Of course he cares. Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the wall, all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha's now ordering God what to do. Tell her to help me. She could have quietly have called her sister over, asked her to help. Maybe she could have tried to get her attention, right? Cleared her throat, <laughs> dropped some utensils, banged some pots, the water basin, made a noise. Martha, 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 Mary, Mary. And, and when all else fails, yeah, she's fed up. She barges in, interrupts Jesus' teaching session, calls out her sister in front of everybody, questions God whether he really cares, and then orders Jesus to tell her sister Mary to help her. Martha, Martha, the Lord answers in verse 41. The Lord, Jesus, the Son of God, the Holy One, the one who would die on the cross for all our sins, instead of scolding her, chooses to address her with tenderness. There was still a rebuke, but it was so gentle. You are worried and upset about many things, Many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. All those distractions, including service, could have been should have been set aside to spend more time at Jesus' feet. 
as we draw to a conclusion this morning, we need to ask ourselves the following question. Is our determined purpose to know Christ and to be continually transformed into his likeness? Because if it is, if it truly is, then we will do everything possible to simplify our life, to unclutter our minds, to unclutter our lives in order to spend time at Jesus' feet. People will find time for things they consider a priority. They will. If something is truly important, I, you, we will find time for that thing, regardless of the distractions. Imagine if everyone set aside five minutes a day to spend uninterrupted time with God. How life-transforming that would be. We need to make sure that we are not lured, enticed, seduced away from a pure and sincere devotion to Christ. We need to remove the clutter in our life, selectively choosing what we say yes to, selectively setting, a time, setting aside time for leisure, rejuvenation, to experience the joy of our different accomplishments throughout the day, throughout the week, throughout the month, being better stewards of our money, avoiding the debt trap, and carefully managing our time spent surfing the internet or on social media platforms. Earlier we heard Nick say, may God strip away everything that is a distraction and reveal to us how much we need him every day. May God strip away everything that is a distraction and reveal to us how much we need him every day. These words were spoken by a man who was, in a sense, stripped at birth of all limbs, encouraging us to rely on God every day. As my brother Keith said earlier, as he was working on the video, and he says, no arms, no legs, it's going to complicate your life, but it's going to simplify it at the same time. May our, mine, yours, our, may our inner compass be oriented towards God, His presence, His will, and His purpose. For this is my determined purpose, to know Him, to be acquainted with Him, to understand Him, to experience the power of His resurrection, resurrection to share in the fellowship of His sufferings, and to be continually conformed in His likeness, all part of the journey. I want to encourage you this week, as you go home, as you spend time at Jesus' feet, perhaps as you're reading through the Gospels, look at the life of Jesus and try to identify how he himself lived a simple life that we can then emulate. I'm going to close this morning with words penned by American poet Ella Wheeler Wilcox. 
One ship drives east and another drives west with the same self-same winds that blow, tis the set of the sails and not the gales which tell us the way to go. Like the winds of the sea are the, winds, are the ways of fate as we voyage along through life. Tis the set of a soul that decides its goal and not the calm or the strife. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it is our prayer that intimacy with you would be something that we all desire. We recognize it's a journey where we are continually transformed into the image of Christ. But we ask that you would help us to remove those distractions in our life by not just choosing the good, but by choosing the best so that we would know you better, that we would be acquainted, that we would understand, that we would experience, that we would share and be continually conformed into your likeness. Father God, there are many storms in life. The wind blows, but it's the set of the sails and not the gales that tell us the way to go. Tis the set of a soul that decides its goal and not, not the, the calm. calm. Or, or the, the strife. strife. Father, Father God, God, help you. Help us. May our inner compass be oriented towards you. Your presence, your will, your purpose. And all God's people said,